Rav Soloveitchik, comes up with a new concept. He's very well known for his different com- concepts of tshuva. So one of the concepts he comes up with is his oris l'tshuva. It's like a new category. We have tshuva gemura, which is which is the four parts of tshuva, according to Rambam. And that's the standard tshuva, which I'm not saying it's an easy tshuva, but it's the standard tshuva. And then the, he says there's a concept of hit overrut l'tshuva. Where does he get this from? He gets from a famous Gemara. The Gemara says that, Gemara Kedushin says that if a person says to a woman, I want you to marry me, on the condition that I'm a tzaddik, right? The Gemara says, even if he's a Russia Gamur, not just a Russia, a real Russia, a Russia Marusha, we say in Yiddish, right? He's still married. Because Shema Hirhur Tshuva Bedaito. He thought about Tshuva in his mind. Sir Soloveitchik says it's a strange Gemara. I mean, he says, you certainly can't do the four parts of tshuva under the chuppah. He says, that, that's something that's not, not realistic. Sometimes those four parts, from Salvation says, takes many, many years to do. Right? So you certainly can't say that. So he says, Al-Korchach, the Gemara is saying that there's certain situations where suddenly you get an awakening. Maybe it's even a rude awakening. And that actually can change your status. This person is not a Russia anymore. He's a tzaddik. He says, I'm an Asha tzaddik. You know, if a person says to a woman, I want to marry you on the condition I'm a millionaire, and you find out he has a thousand dollars in his bank account, you're not married. Right? So here it has to be that the person is really a tzaddik, or you're not married, or you're not married. It's a mekachtos. So obviously, Rav Soloveitchik says the idea of marriage somehow awoken in this person a tshuva. He didn't actually go through the four parts of tshuva, so he calls it hitoruruta tshuva. The Gemara says yaharer hirher b'tshuva, but Rav Soloveitchik says it means hitoruruta tshuva. That's sort of like a new concept in tshuva because normally. Tshuva itself, which is Tshuva Gemur, the four parts, actually changes the person. The Rambam has a discussion about it. It actually makes a new person. Right? You're not that same person. But here, the Chiddush of the Gemara is, it's a Maridik Chiddush that even, you know, suddenly getting an awakening of who I am and who I need to be also changes the person. Arisolovechik brings the famous story in the Gemara of Reb Chanina ben Tradion, who was caught studying Torah Barabim, and the Romans took a Sefer Torah, they wrapped them around the Sefer Torah, and they burnt them alive. And in the Gemara it says that the executioner, as he's dying, Reb Chanina ben Tradion, they put, of course, they, they built a fire, the executioner built a fire, and he was burning with the Sefer Torah, so the executioner whispered to him and said, what if I make you die quicker? Will I have a place in the world to come? Because 
they wanted to torture him, so they put cold sponges near his heart. He says, let's say I take away the sponges, do I have a place in the world to come? And he says, yeah. And he takes away the, the sponges and he jumps into the flame. He commits suicide, the, the executioner, the Gemara says. And the Gemara then says that Yotza Batkol, a Batkol came out of Shemayim and said that Rabbi Hanina ben Tradian and the executioner both have a place in the world to come. In the same, in the same sentence, yeah. So, Rasulovachik says, this, who's an executioner? I don't have to explain to you. You know, you saw enough movies who the executioner is. He's usually not. He doesn't usually have a doctorate from Oxford, right? He's usually not, you know, some moral person, right? They take an executioner, uh, low life, you know, who's going to want to kill people every Monday and Thursday? The Romans used to kill all the time, right? You see the types of people that were executioners in the Nazi camps, and they were the lowest of the low. It says, this person changed his life, and the, even the Gemara says, Yesh b'sha'achas. person acquires his world in one moment, right? Rav Hanid had been trying to spend his whole life acquiring that world. He acquires it in one moment. So Rav Soloveitchik says that you see, there's something in the executioner's life that all of a sudden awoken him to say that I'm living, I'm living a lie. I'm living a terrible life. I have to change. What was that? He heard the conversation between Reb Hanina ben Tradian and his daughter and then the conversation between Reb Hanina ben Tradian and his Talmidim. Very um, deep philosophical conversations they had while he's burning. Right? The daughter says, uh, I'm shocked that I could see you like this. And he says, don't worry. If you just saw me like this, I can understand you. But you see that I'm being burnt with a Sefer Torah. Together with Sefer Torah. So the one who, the, the concept of humbleness is just mind-boggling. He says, if I was burnt alone, I can understand your question, that you see me like this. But I'm being burnt with a Sefer Torah. So the one who's going to demand judgment for the Sefer Torah, demand judgment for me too. And then the Talmudim say, Rebbe, what do you see now at this moment before you die? And he says, I see, you know, I see uh, the the gvil burning, the parchment is burning, and I see the letters flying in the air. I'm, I'm not going to go into the Gemara now, but the executioner is watching this. He's he's seeing the conversation, and he's so nitpa'el. He's so ecstatic from the conversation. This is the conversation you have right before you die? You know, about about Olam HaEmes, about, about, about Torah Latid, right? He was so taken by it that even a lowly executioner changed in the moment and said, Rebbe, can I have a place in the world to come? So if Soloveitchik says that every person can have in his life a time when something happens to change him. Just like the person who's getting married and he's, as he's standing under the hoop, he's a Russia Gomer. Right? And right before he puts the ring on the woman's finger, he starts thinking to himself, I have to build a Jewish family. I have to. I knew a guy that never got up for davening. Right? And he never got up for davening. Never, as a kid, as a teenager, he never got up for davening. As soon as he got married, he got up every day for davening. So I, I said to him, well, like what, you know, 
did your wife make you do it? You know, sometimes the wife is the mashkia. She makes you get up for davening, right? No, he says, no, I just, what am I, I have to now build a Jewish family. How's it going to look? I'm going to be sleeping and my kids are going to watch me sleeping in the morning, right? There's a, uh, sometimes we don't know what it is in our lives. Everybody has that, that moment, right? That, you know, sometimes we hope it's more than one moment. Right? But every person has a certain moment in their life when all of a sudden they wake up from a deep sleep, but not a, 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 obviously it's a metaphor, it's a wake up from, from la la land, so to speak, and they say like, I have to change. This can't stay the same. That's what Soloveitchik says. And he actually, I mean, interestingly enough, He's, he brings a personal story to, to, to describe what he calls the chavaya, the experience of waking up. Personal story. Unbelievable story. I was surprised he would share such a personal story with his crowd when he spoke. This was something he spoke. He said he, when his wife was very ill, she had cancer, she passed away from cancer many, many years before him. When she was ill, she used to sleep. They had a they had a duplex home in in Boston, in Brookline, and she would sleep downstairs because she wasn't well enough to walk up the steps already by the end of her illness. But he slept upstairs. She slept in his study on a a bed, right? That he used to use sometimes for a nap or something, and he slept upstairs in the bedroom. He wakes up suddenly. And there's a storm outside. It's a storm and the wind is blowing. It was already in Adar, which is already, you know, it's not as cold. Boston is a pretty cold place, but it's not as cold, right? And the wind was blowing in and he woke up suddenly and said, I got to run downstairs and close the windows in my wife's room. She's not a well person. She has cancer, right? So I have to close the windows if she are... Her, her body would not be able to, you know, if she gets sick, that's the end, right? So he runs downstairs and he quickly closes the window and then he turns around to see how his wife is doing. If she's sleeping and the bed is empty. She had died a month before. But when he woke up, he suddenly didn't remember. She had died in Adar. This was in Nisan, he says. She had died, but waking up from sleep, I wasn't ready to come to the reality that my wife died. So of course when I was up in the day, I knew it. But when I went to sleep, I wasn't ready. When I woke up suddenly, that was a reality, a reality check. I turned around and for a second, I thought my wife was still alive. He says, that's the chavaya, that's the experience of waking up from a sleep. Not from a physical sleep. There was a physical sleep as well. But even from a person sleeping away his years, his life, the last year, right? There's a sudden rude awakening of a reality that you weren't in a moment before. Rabbi Shomi Salant used to say 
I mean, he wrote, he has a letter where he writes, just the beginning of the letter, he says that pre, in previous generations, when the Chazin would call out Rosh Chodesh Elul Yeh Beyom, he says he remembers how shaken up people were. A month before Rosh Hashanah, the Chazin, of course, calls out when he's benching Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh El Yeh Beyom, whatever day it is. He said, you would see you could see and feel the awakening in the shul that you know what we got we got to do something can't, we can't keep sitting around and and just be in denial of what's coming Rosh Hashanah is coming Yom Kippur is coming right he says today it doesn't work anymore in his time already he says in the mid eighteen hundreds says late eighteen hundreds mid eighteen hundreds it doesn't work anymore. He says, but that, that was an awakening. That was something I once asked. There was a very great tzaddik in, um, in New York. He was a, a son-in-law of Ramosha Feinstein. His name was Ramosha Shiskal. Zeichat tzaddik from Kodesh Levrocha. Died at a young age. He died at age 52. So I became close to him. He actually lived next door to my father's mother, my grandmother. So I made it my business to visit with him. When I was on Lower East Side, he lived on Lower East Side, where Moshe Feinstein lived as well. And um, he was a very big tzaddik. I, I, I'm not sure that it was a good thing that I experienced him. I'm not sure it was a good thing, because I think God is going to say to me in the next world, I could demand so much more out of you, because you saw Rafshishka. <laughs> he was an unbelievable tzaddik. He was a yotzar. When he, when he said, I'll show you outside after he came out of the bathroom. It was an experience. It wasn't just seeing. It was an experience. So, you know, I used to, you know, as a, I was a teenager, so I used to kid around with him. I knew he was a big tzaddik. And I wanted him to know that I know he's a big tzaddik. So I used to like schmooze him. I said, Rav Shizkal, give me a bracha. And he, he would always say, like, who am I to give you a bracha? And he really meant it. He was a completely humble person. So I was once walking down the street. And he was walking. It was me, Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, and my grandfather and Ramosha Shiska. We were walking. He was walking. My grandfather gave a shear on the Lower East Side for the... <laughs> it was it was a shear for the alumni of Lomji Yeshiva. I say that now, it's funny, like, these guys, the, the alumni were like, there wasn't anyone under 70 at that time of Lomji Yeshiva. My grandfather studied Lomji Yeshiva in World War One, So they asked him to give a share every year uh, for the Zeichen Nishmas of the Rosh Yeshiva, Bichel Mordechai Gordon. So after the share, we're walking, we're walking, I don't remember where we were walking to, but we were walking maybe to a car. And I said to Rav Shiskal, I said, Rav Shiskal, you know, give me a bracha. And Rav Shiskal said, he, 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 in front of Rav Yaakov, he should give me a bracha. <laughs> so he, he looked at me and Rav Yaakov said, give him a bracha. Give him a bracha. My grandfather knew what kind of tzaddik he was. He was an unbelievable tzaddik. So I asked him once, even though like he felt uncomfortable, I said, I said, Rav Shiskal, what changed you that you became such a serious, you grew up in America. Right? He always said to me, this chus is, is his alma melty, he was my sandik. He always said to me, he was my sandik. This is alma melty was the rov of Slutsk. He was born in Slutsk. So I said, what changed? He says, Reb, 
when Rav Hyman, when Shlomo Hyman died, my Rebbe in Torvadas, that's when I decided to change. Now, I didn't ask him, like, okay, why did that change you? But it was, it was a moment. There's a moment in the life of every person. There's a moment that awakens a person. You know, all of a sudden, like a, b'chinas mi la shem elai. You know, that moment, right? That's, every person has that. Every person has, you know, that, I don't know if every person, but vast majority of people have it sometimes, more than once in their life. Rabbi Shol Salante, I once saw written, I, I, I don't know, I don't have a proof of this story, but Shol Salante, someone wrote that he was, he was um, overhearing a conversation between two people. And one person said, I have a dream to be a very great person in my life. So Rabbi Shol Salante turned to him and said, it could definitely happen as long as you're not sleeping. As long as you're not sleeping. You know, you can have the dream, but you can't be sleeping. Right? So that's that's the idea is that those moments we have to take advantage of when we have those moments. Sometimes I have students who became Bali Chuva and they'll tell me like you know, they'll tell me like the moment when all of a sudden everything changed. They'll remember that moment when things started changing. Even though it might have been a slow process. There is, so you have this orus of tshuva, and then you have the talich of tshuva. You know, that's the longer. You know, how long did I, how long did it take me to become a shomer shabbos? How long did I keep kashrus? That's that's the longer. But sometimes the person has a moment in their life when all of a sudden, and sometimes it's a bear, Sometimes it's all of a sudden something crumbles, and you know, life comes crashing down. I think, uh, so Lechik sort of, he's Maramisted, he doesn't really say it, but I think when we talk about the famous question of, of, um, of the fact that, you know, Rosh Hashanah is one of, the first of Asarish Mechuva, but we don't, we don't have anything that sort of, Deals with tshuva on Rosh Hashanah. You know, there's certainly no vidui. There's no. There is, you know, if you if you if you're Ashkenazi, you say Yisanik Toikif. So it says it's a shuva, it's a fila. Sfarim don't even have that. You know, so it can't be a primary, you know, primary source for tshuva, right? So, but the Rambam says something interesting. The Rambam's a famous Rambam that I think is addressing the problem of. The first of Aserish made tshuva, and there's no mention of tshuva, right? So the Rambam, it's a famous Rambam, probably many of you have heard it already, maybe even this year. Afal pishet kei shofar Rosh Hashanah gzeiras akosiv rem is yeshbo. Even though he wants to say that kei shofar, we don't know. It's a decree of the pasuk. We don't really know why you blow shofar. And the Rambam is very big, especially in the Yad Chazaka. Of like 
you know, we don't know the reasons for mitzvah, mitzvahs, but he says it has a hint. So it's not clear what that means. Is it a hint in the sense of something we can take out of it? Right? We don't know if this is the reason. It's something we can take out. Klomar. Uru yishen mishnaschem v'nir domim akitsu mitardemaschem. Wake up, sleepy ones, from your sleep. That's the tekiah shofar, the blowing of the shofar. And the ones that are deep in in sleep, right? Get up. And search out one's deeds, return in tshuva, remember your Creator. These are the, those who forget the truth, right? So, so Vajic hints to this idea in this piece uh, that I'm quoting. He hints to the idea that what the the the, um, the idea of tshuva on Rosh Hashanah is not real tshuva. It's hiru tshuva. It's hisorush tshuva. Rosh Hashanah is there to the shofar is there to wake us up, just like the executioner woke up from his the conversation he heard. And a person wakes up from the calling out of Rosh Chodesh El Yiyeh, right? Everybody has a certain aspect that wakes them up. The shofar for the Rambam was that would wake us up from that sleep, right? And Rambam, of course, doesn't mean, you know, that you didn't get to shul on time because you overslept. The Rambam means sleeping in a metaphoric way. Yeah, we're all sleeping. We go through the year... And we put ourselves on autopilot, and now we're sleeping. That's you know you could be up, but you're sleeping. <coughs> there's a there's a song that Shlomo Kalbach sings, but it's not his own song because I when I I played the song in my house once. So my mother said to me, that's what my father used to sing to me when I didn't get up on time. And she said, I never liked that song. <laughs> but I think it's a great song. It's a song about um, someone waking somebody else up. But it's not clear that it's physical or physical awakening like with my grandfather and my mother. But it could be a metaphor. But it's a Yiddish song. It's a Yiddish song. Starts gewalt chain breather, right? Gewalt is a language of get up, you know, wake up. Gewalt chain breather, wash lost. Why are you sleeping? So the first stanza is it's time to say tell him why why are you sleeping. The second stanza is gewalt chain breather, why are you sleeping? It's time to daven. And the third stanza is gewalt chain breather, why are you sleeping? You have to learn Torah. Right, and then at the end of it, it says he says Un- unbelievable. The song is an unbelievable. Kalbach, Kalbach, Kalbach sings it beautifully. At the end, it says if there's if there's no tilim and there's no davening and there's no learning, is benit kenyi, and if you're not a Jew, you're only sleeping. That's the latest song. There's four stanzas, and then he says. The final stance is, you know, if you don't, if you don't say tillum, and you don't daven, and you don't learn, and you don't want to be a Jew, so you, you, all you do is sleeping. That's what you're doing. In other words, 
there's so many different things that can awaken a person. A song can awaken a person. We have to take advantage of that, of, of that awakening and not let it go by. Sometimes we get emotional about something and we just let it go by. The Rambam is saying that's what, that's what Shofar Roshana is. Shofar Roshana is to wake you up. He doesn't say, it's interesting, it's in Hilchash Tshuva. It's not in Hilchash Shofar. You would think he would put it in Hilchash Shofar. He's talking about the mitzvah of Shofar. So you put it in, there's a remnant. He puts it in Hilchash Tshuva. So Rav I think that's what Rav means, is that here the Rambam is talking about a different type of Tshuva. His Orerus L'Tshuva. It's Hitorut L'Tshuva. Right? And that is what the Shofar is supposed to do for us on Rosh Hashanah. That's, that's, that's the type of tshuva. It's supposed to awaken us, and it's interesting because the Rambam says, v'chizru b'tshuva, v'zichru borachim. Now, if I was the Rambam, I would say, remember HaKadosh Baruch Hu and do tshuva. He says, no, v'chizru b'tshuva, remember God. So I always thought maybe the Rambam means that is the tshuva, to remember God. The whole year we forgot this God. You know, a lot of times we forget. You know, especially if we have a lot of things going on in our lives. So we forget, we can't sort of fit God in there. A lot of times we can't fit God into our lives. Because, you know, um, I have, you know, every day I have to do exercises. Every day I have to eat re- properly, healthy. I have to do a lot of things. So I sort of, I have, no, I have trouble fitting God into my life. So I don't fit him into my life. Right? So that's what the Rambam says over here, is that you have to wake up and do tshuva, and remember God. Remember God. Because that's the first step to being a Jew, is to remember God. Before you remember God, you can't you can't even do mitzvahs, because if you don't have a commander, how could you do a command? Right? So you have to first remember God. So Rosh Hashanah is the time when we get that message, the Rambam is saying. The message has to be that you know, we have to, something has to awaken in us. And things can't go on as business as usual. Right? Because that's what we do our whole, our whole year. It's business as usual. And the truth is, we are very busy. Right? So, maybe there isn't any time, so to speak, to let God into your life, which of course is crazy. Right? But, but at Rosh Hashanah time, right? That's extremely important. <laughs> See, that's the first step that we have to Realize we have to awaken ourselves and say, "Listen, we have to, we have to let God into our lives." That's the first. That's the source of the tshuva. Once you have God in your life, then you could, you could go on to do the Yom Kippur, the tshuva, the tshuva of you know the four parts of tshuva, uh, and the, the what the Rambam calls tshuva gemura. But it has to start. That's to start with some sort of it or root. I don't care if it's something you read, something you heard, something you saw, right? It doesn't matter. Let's not let that, that significant moment pass without us taking note of it.